Steve Irwin is telling that's um, funny Lance's cycling team how he you know wrestled this Mamba Lance opens the door and they look at Lance and Lance doesn't even say anything he just shakes his head and they're just like welcome to the family Lance Hey guys, Michael here. Remember when the only channel your parents would let you watch was Discovery Channel? Well, my next guest, Derek Koenig, led Discovery's marketing and creative back in the day. He also helped create the epic pass for Vail Ski Resorts, and now he's doing the whole golf marketing thing, hanging out with Tiger and stuff. It's crazy. Had so much fun talking to him. Let's jump into the world of creative and marketing. You were CMO of Vail Resorts, which is this huge ski operator. I mean, that's crazy. Um, What was it like running? like a, a ski company, what kind of de- decisions for the customer were you thinking about? Uh, you know, Vail is a very dialed in operation and they are all about analytics. So it all comes down to the data. And we launched a product called the Epic Pass. Yes. Which tracks your, you know, you, you know, it, it tracks your uh, movement all around the mountain. So they know where you go and what you do, what you spend and what you like. And then they- So can, Google. Yeah. The Google of skiing. And this was a big deal. This was, uh, this was 12 years ago. So there was a lot of pushback on like, you know, private information and freedom and I'm skiing and screw you and this and that. And, um, but as it's turned into be a monster. So, and you're keeping people safe. I mean, you know where people are on the mountain and then you can create a better experience, you know, just getting that data through, find the runs people are on. Right. Yeah. You know, Gen Z and millennials are, are, they don't care about their data. They'll give it to anybody, but don't. this was more about, you know, the boomers, which were pretty much writing all the checks for Vail 12 years ago. Yeah. So they were kind of like, you know, they're the Woodstock generation. They're like, no, I don't want you following me around. Don't tell me to wear a helmet. Don't, don't anything, but that, that all passed. So yeah, you know, skiing and, and snowboarding and, and uh, the slopes, that's not your only game. You're also in, heavily involved with, with golfing now. Um, tell me a little bit about, just briefly, what it means to market in golf. Like, who are you reaching? Yeah, it's, it's a blast, you know, it's a fun. So what we're trying to do next, just to peek under the tent, is we're gonna use the golf um, audience and the golfer as the portal to get into all different action sports. So if you're a golfer, you probably hike, you might ski, you might play tennis, you might do yoga, you might, you might like CBD, you, whatever you do, sure. escape, we're going to go through that audience and that relationship and then talk to them about these other elements so we can grow. Discovery Channel. Man, that's all my parents let me watch. That's all our parents let us watch because it made us learn something. And that's the best kind of content. It's, it, it's when you're, you're, you're consuming and you're entertained but you're also learning something, you know, and I don't think there's enough content like that out there. The reality is there is, it's just, there's so much choice right now that people don't want to learn anything unless they're specifically going to YouTube to learn how to change the oil in their car or something like that. Right. Tactile. Other than that, they just want to be entertained, you know? And so we came through at a time when, when there was, you know, only 50 or 60 cable channels and discovery, was the one that did this and it was pretty special. Yeah. I bet when you were at discovery, you guys were like, wow, we need to start a streaming platform. And that was part of the combo, but you guys didn't, you didn't start a streaming platform. We did. What was the rationale? We bought now this and we bought, um, how things work and we, we bought other platforms that did that. The problem is, is they were profitable before we bought them, but 
once you pull them into the mothership, they have to be a lot more profitable. They have to have much higher margins or else they're pulling down the weight of the other margins. So like when you pull yeah. somebody in and then tell them they got to make more money, they're like, well, we're, we're already making all the money we can make. Because the fact of the matter is cable channels and cable content is incredibly profitable. You're dealing with like 60% margins. Like it, it's tough to find a business that operates in that kind of, you know, throwing cash off. Yeah. So pulling somebody that makes 10% margins, who are you going to get a dollar to? You're going to give it to the the 60% margin guys. Mm -hmm. So internally it becomes this really big issue. So when you're at Discovery, you did a bunch of rebranding of the most iconic shows on Discovery, Animal Planet Network, Animal Planet. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you, it was it Whale Wars, uh, a lot of different shows. What was the what was the ethos behind those rebranding? What were you trying to achieve there, Derek? Oh, the secret behind a rebrand is somebody new is in charge, and so they're like, I don't like the way the brand looks. I want a new brand. Um, bring it more into the into the um, into what I'm thinking. So usually a change in management means a change in branding. The, the key with the rebrand is keeping everything that's good and then just changing it up. Whenever you do a rebrand that's like a complete transformation, it rarely works. Um, it, you want more of like a really good haircut, you know, of like, yeah. wow, you look great. You look great, Derek, what'd you do? Well, I did this or that, or I lost 10 pounds. But if you do something completely different everybody that you have a relationship with are probably not going to be happy with it. So that's always the trick yeah. with the rebrand, whether it was with TLC. So with TLC, we went from the learning channel to live and learn. So it was an easy enough jump and we did it with an irreverent wrapper around it and did some funny, <clears throat> funny ads and stuff all based in human insights. Did you work with Steve Irwin or was that before your time? No, I knew Steve. Any stories you remember that stand out? You know, when we filmed the Lance Armstrong spot with him, it was really interesting because when talent gets together, sometimes they don't get along, you know, like, because there's ego involved, whether, you know, whether you're athletes or TV talent. Steve Irwin was a pretty big talent at the time. And we flew him into Austin to do this spot. And you never know how it's going to go over. But like he and Lance were like thick as thieves and like just laughing and joking and goofing off. And Lance is not like a goof off type fun guy. So when we brought Lance in and sponsored the cycling team, it was kind of weird because everybody was like, why, why are you sponsoring a cycling team that has nothing to do with discovery? And the CEO at the time was this guy, Billy Campbell. And he called me in his office and he goes, I just spent a, bu a bunch of money on this cycling team. We need you you need to make this thing work. And I'm like, okay. I said, give me a, give me till the end of the week. Come the end of the week. I came in, you know, make it work from a marketing standpoint. I said, look, Billy, um, we've got some bad news. Um, you bought a cycling team. Um, discovery has never done anything with sport before. Bought a cycling team. So you own the cycling team. You own the rights to promote them and sponsor them. No, we own the team. What? You own Lance Armstrong's team. Yeah. And, wow. Yeah. Big check for three years. So I said, you know, we own this team. We don't broadcast the Tour de France. He races in one race a year, which is the Tour. Most people know nothing about cycling. And I don't know how you're going to make money in this. I said, here's the good news. Here's what we can do. Why don't we treat it like we do most other things, like a TV show? And we're going to tell you everything there is to know about Lance 
everything there is to know about his body and how it works, everything about he in the Peloton. So we started filming this and the key, key idea was take all our talent. So, you know, the, the chopper guys, um, Steve Irwin, and connect them or put them in the same room as Lance. And so they're all, and we called it Welcome to the Family Lance. So this dysfunctional discovery family. So everybody had a place. Welcome to the family. Yeah. Any an, any animals there with, with like with Steve? What was the was the shoot? Uh, I'll get a video yeah. for the viewers. I'll get a video had, for the viewers. He had an anaconda. He had a snake above it. So so the whole thing what? was like it was like a fish out of water type thing. Like all the different talent were in this hotel, and they were each in a in a hotel room getting ready to meet Lance. And so they were all in their own world, and then Lance would open the door, and it'd be a sight gag. So Steve Irwin is telling That's um, funny. Lance's cycling team how he, you know, wrestled this mamba, you know, anaconda or whatever, some big story that he was into. And then Lance opens the door, and they look at Lance, and Lance doesn't even say anything. He just shakes his head, and they're just like, welcome to the family, Lance. Another thing at Discovery was this VR yeah. stuff. VR was kind of like just taken off when you were kind of making those decisions um honestly man vr has not lived up to its kind of expectation in modern times kind of like autonomous cars in that sense you know what was your idea for uh you know using vr in this, this entertainment space so i ran the central creative part of discovery so it was corporate so if anybody was going to figure out vr was going to be my my guys and my team because that's what we did so the individual channels wouldn't do it because it wouldn't make sense so we're like we felt that it was kind of our responsibility to figure this thing out anybody we talked to in the business that was doing something innovative and breakthrough we're like let's partner let's do something together so at the time it was like go nice. or it was you know the guys that um you guys at microsoft or, or whoever and so we were always on the cutting edge and we so we built this platform where we said look we can give you a lot of love and a lot of people watching your stuff if we partner up. So we'll we'll shoot it with you. We'll create it. These with were the you. Go, these were the GoPro guys. GoPro is one of them, but they didn't they didn't need a lot of love that way. But they just like the brand. Yeah. Everybody, everybody How, comes out from a different. What space. were you doing? What were you doing with the GoPro footage? How was that working? So basically, we built this platform, and we had the you know the megaphone to get it out there, and we had five million users. So like. 5 million users of VR is pretty good no matter who you are. So um, we could we could really green light any kind of project. So we called the guys at GoPro and we said, let's do a project together. We're going to save the world and we're going to bring animals into everybody's home. We were doing a show called Racing Extinction, uh, which was one of our big tent poles. And so we went, out, we went around the world and we shot sharks and we shot, shot in Africa. We shot what? in Japan. Here's my take on VR. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's an individual, you know, unless, unless you've got the time and the means and you're really into it and you can sit there. Um, I think it's more of a group um, endeavor where if you can make a room and put four or five people in the room and make that VR somehow, like it's a dome or some technology we don't even have yet. I think that could be really interesting. So you're sharing it with somebody else, like with you, but it's not just you in some weird world. That's just my two cents. Yeah, uh, you've worked with a lot of big brands, McDonald's, Nike, P&G. What, like, what is it like heading out these accounts? Like you have these, you have these behemoths, like, 
these brand names that are larger than life itself. How do you go about, how do you go about telling a story with something that's like so iconic and so special? Carefully. <laughs> One thing about like any stories or big brands is you got to understand that everybody owns it. Everybody owns it. So you really got to re be respectful of, of that. And the key thing, like everybody, everybody thinks that like the best job is the head of marketing for whatever head of marketing for Nike, head of marketing for McDonald's, head of Mike, you know, you name it. It's not bad. It's a good job, but you're the most creative person at that company. And so you've got to sell your ideas to all these people who may not be on board. So I used to always joke whenever I was in that seat in the, so the ad agency would come and pitch and it'd be some really good work. And, you know, we'd be shaking hands at the end back when you could shake hands. And, um, and I'd be like, well, the good news is you guys get to leave. And the not so good news is I got to go convince everybody at my company that we need to do this stuff. <laughs> and, and it's going to be hard. I mean, you're like, you're in your own like world, like you're, you're doing golf stuff and like you have a ton of experience. Like, is there anything more you want to say just like about what's going on right now or what's going to happen in the future that you're thinking about? I would say this, like it, it will only make sense backwards. If you think you know where you're going to end up, if you think you know how things are going to turn out, you're going to be really disappointed because you need to be open and curious and, and ready for anything. It doesn't mean you have to do anything, but just stay curious and be like, what's going on over there? And how do I fit? And what can I do to, to help knowing that I may not be in charge of it right now? And so I kind of created my own route and said, well, I want to get an advertising. I want to go to this shop. I want to do this and I want to make this happen. But like, you don't know where you're going to turn out. So like, you know, keep, keep your quiver full of options in, in your network. Your, your network is the most important thing. Work to build out your network um, because those, that's where you're going to get your next job. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Derek Koenig. I couldn't fit our entire combo into the pod, so make sure to check out the extended cut on my YouTube channel. It's called Our Future HQ. Stay frosty, stay safe, stay winning. See you guys on Friday.